So you've probably heard of this thing called the endowment. Almost every university has one, but the average student doesn't know much about how it's formed, why it exists, or how it's used. What is the endowment? They use it to build fancy econ buildings. The endowment? Yes. Is it like some part of the body? Do you guys want to give a guess? Like, like actual like numbers big? wise? Yeah. I'm oh, going to sound like such an idiot. I have no concept uh, of scale here. <laughs> they are always watering the grass. <laughs> like in the middle of like the rainy seasons, they're watering the grass. And so <laughs> some of that must be going towards the water. We wanted to answer these questions about U Chicago's endowment. In this episode, we'll talk to alumni, faculty, and students about their interactions with the endowment, and hopefully by the end we'll figure some things out. I'm Kanjay. And I'm Ayushi. And this is The Vein. When we started doing research for this episode, we had a certain idea of where we might end up. Our plan was to talk to administrators, staff from the Office of Investments, alumni house, deans, and maybe even a member of the Board of Trustees, if we played our cards right. But of course, the best laid plans often go awry. In this episode, while it does deal with the endowment, encompasses so much more. It asks and answers questions about how the endowment and university spending in general are informed by the values of this institution and takes a closer look at the values themselves. But before we get into all that, we should probably start by explaining exactly what the endowment is. So basically, it's a sum of capital. Most of it is invested to create annual revenue for the university. Approximately 96% of the endowment is annually reinvested, and returns on investment provide around 12% of the university's revenue. All this translates into about $450,000 per student in the college. This might seem like a large number, but let's put it in the perspective of our peer institutions. Yale's is $1,990,000 per student, Harvard's is 1520000 and Stanford is $1,200,000. In total, UChicago's endowment is $7.47 billion. But where does the principal investment for the endowment come from? Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Man. So, listen, listen, listen. The moment you graduate, you get phone calls, you get letters saying, congratulations, now that you're an alum, consider giving back to your beloved institution. Yeah. Now that happened, you know, like literally the week after graduation uh, on both institutions. So, I mean, they're, they want you to know that you're on the other side of this now yeah. and, and you're, uh, you're beholden us. You know? <laughs> like, that was Reverend Julian DeChazier. Yeah, he did his undergrad at Morehouse and graduated from the Div School back in 2010. When we chatted with Julian, we wanted to get an idea of what goes through his mind when he gets these requests. The first thing I think when I see uh, an appeal request come in is what are they working on and what is this going towards? Like, if I make a gift, how is this making an impact or making a dent in whatever kind of challenge that the the university is having right now? And at another level, I also just think, like, I'm an alum. I should help out. You know, like, they've given so much to me. I should do my little part of whatever I can, whether it's $20, $50 or something. If I just send it and do it, then they've taken care of me. I don't need to know, right? So I think there's a tension for me of wanting to, like, know, like, all right, we're building stuff. What are we building? How much does that cost? Yeah. Uh, and in another sense, just knowing, like, I have a duty to to pay it forward to the, an institution that's been so good to me. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, I, I feel that in me. Every time I open up the letter, yeah. I feel that at the same time. But what dictates whether or not our alums give? I think most people, from my experience in talking with alum about when we talk about things like, oh, should we give? or When that yeah, yeah, type yeah. of thing comes up, most people want to give, but are just trying to find a way to work within either a new budget in their lives, like I'm freshly graduated, I'm just getting a sense of what my extra money is, and there's really no such thing, uh, because we're trying to, you know, have a social life or pay down bills and other things, so I think most people, I haven't heard anybody say, like, I just don't want to give, or I'm I'm not going to do it, forget the university or anything like that, you know, it's... It's never that adversarial when most people don't give, and myself included, when I first graduated, you know, for a couple years didn't. It was just about, like, what I had access to. The questions of what you have access to and what the university is using it for are not just on the minds of alums. This question of support and endorsement is one that concerns more than just donations. Standard investing practice is to have a diverse portfolio, which means lots of money going to lots of different places. Exactly where that money is going raises a lot of questions. So I'll start by saying the goals of the UCAN group is to end the consumption of fossil fuels as soon as politically feasible. Here's Sam Zacher, a third year in the college. He's part of the UChicago Climate Action Network and is responsible for coordinating Stop Funding Climate Change, which pushes for divestment from fossil fuels. Last school year, we spent fall quarter and winter break writing this report. So we wrote a 60-page report that argued for fossil fuel divestment and delivered it to President Zimmer. Uh, We had a rally and delivery in February, I believe, of last school year. He took a little time and set up a meeting uh, for us, which is fantastic. Um, So then later last school year, we met with a few of our student leaders, met with the chief investment officer, of the university um, and a couple of administrators, including the secretary of the board, uh, the head of communications, and we basically talked about the report. And uh, previous divestment campaigns, or even simply, they'd even investing for socially responsible ideals, or with those in mind, uh, is something the university hasn't been very susceptible to in the past. And I think we've been more successful, um, excuse me for being a little vain, but then, then those groups, because we have taken this very, like we said, quote-unquote, UChicago approach and written out an argument and submitted right. it to them uh, as opposed to having lots of big rallies, which are very necessary, too. Yeah. And that's something that we have to step up a little bit is having more student events. But they've appreciated that more, and President Zimmer said that. And, of course, this is kind of a cat-and-mouse game, too. We don't, we don't want to do exactly what the university wants because yeah. we're trying to get them to do something they don't want to do right now. One of the reasons that the university is resistant to divestment is the Calvin Report, which was written by a faculty committee around 50 years ago. The Calvin Report guides investment policy. The key to the report is that the university is an environment defined by freedom of inquiry, and so it can't take social or political positions. The idea is that the people within the university take the positions, not the university itself. Jeffrey Stone is a professor at the UChicago Law School, and he has a unique perspective on the Calvin Report. Sure. So um, when I was here as a student from 1968 to 1971, it was at the height of the Vietnam War. And there was a, a great deal of, of conflict in across campuses, uh, in, uh, across the nation, about uh, what role, if any, universities uh, should play yeah. in taking positions vis-a-vis the, the war. And there were many students, myself included at the time, who thought that uh, an institution like the University of Chicago Law School um, should, in fact, take a stance 
on the war and right. declare it uh, to be illegal or immoral. Uh, and I had a number of um, conversations with my professors at the time uh, in which they resisted uh, my um, uh, plea that, that the institution should take uh, a position on this. Um, and in later years, uh, after I came back and joined the faculty and came to understand the nature of, of academic institutions much more fully. Meaning the nature of an academic institution being the freedom of speech? Meaning that um, it is inappropriate for academic institutions to take positions on matters of public policy or of controversy uh, that, as the Calvin Report states, the, the fundamental mission of universities is to create an environment in which its students, its faculty, uh, the members of its community can feel free to take positions, yeah. um, but not the university itself or its um, its parts uh, to take official positions on matters of public interest. Um, partly because for the university to take positions um, has a chilling effect on the ability of students and faculty to take positions on their own, um, as if the university is declaring this is the right stance okay. and anyone who disagrees with this is presumptively wrong. Uh, to create that environment is incompatible with the idea of a university. Yeah. Um, and also because uh, once one goes down the road of taking those positions, uh, you become vulnerable to every Tom, Dick, and Harry uh, who wants the university to take a stance on whatever issue is important to them. Right. Um, and that's not a position universities should ever put themselves in. Do you think the Common Report has ever been significantly tested? Or anything, any kind of controversy on campuses, really? Oh, yeah. There have been huge debates over right. the divestment in South Africa. Right. Um, and Darfur, those are the two largest ones that I can recall. Yeah. Um, and there was uh, a great deal of debate and deliberation about it and, and whether the Calvin Report was right or wrong. And Chicago did not divest in either case. So, yeah, it, it was very much the subject sure. of very sustained debate, including among faculty in, in, a, in a systematic way. I mean, the faculty meeting, you know, it was very controversial and it was a very strong statement of the commitment to the principle. Right. Because nobody thought that what was going on in South Africa was right. Right. Nobody was defending South Africa's apartheid policies. Um, it was that the university should not get in the business of taking those kinds of positions because, you know, once you open the door to it, you're going to have to deal with others. Right. And in any event, there are people on campus who should be free to debate their own views about apartheid. And if they think that apartheid is good, they should feel completely free to make that argument sure. without the university looking over their shoulder and saying you're wrong. I think the notion is that the university's endowment decisions, investment decisions, should be made in a way that maximize the, the revenues and incomes for the university. That's right. the principle. And that anything that departs from that, because of social policy reasons, runs right up into the Calvin Report. One way to be politically impartial is to only worry about making money, or so the thinking goes. Maybe that's the case, but concerns about freedom of speech versus pressing social and political issues go beyond the endowment. This tension plays itself out on campus all the time. Alex Dunlap, a fourth year in the college, just wrote a column in the Maroon about this very topic. I was just reacting to a statement that the campus and student life office put out that I thought sort of reflected a sort of pattern in, in the university's opinions on things that um, was reacting to a very specific event in, in terms that really focused on free speech and free expression as things that yeah. drove the university. Um, and I, I felt that that was sort of ignoring a lot of larger issues that were really poignantly on the table at that moment. Um, so this was in response to the, the Hyde Park list. Um, and I, I thought that there were just so many other issues that were so much more relevant. 
So obviously free expression is a really core value of the university and any, any academic institution is sort of one of its core goals is to promote free expression and, and really allow the students and professors and, and other members of the university community to to really challenge accepted ideas and not force them to go down certain particular established routes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel that the, the university occupies a position at this point that, that means that that's really not enough to guide all of the actions that it has to take. You know, we, we interact with all these different circles that are outside of our sort of pure free expression oriented world and right. we need to take that world into account as well. And so I wouldn't say that, you know, referencing or invoking it is is problematic at all. I would just say that it, you should just be careful that you're not using it as a spoke screen to mm-hmm. to not talk. You should, yeah. you should think about other things you should It's a way of, of talking about debate without talking about the debate. So here we are. We started with the endowment, but we ended up talking more about the university's values and how they relate to where the money goes. You know, this is ultimately the more important question. Not how much money we have, but how we decide to spend that money. You might have noticed a lack of voices from the university administration in this episode. Let's just say it wasn't for lack of trying. It's university policy not to say much about the endowment outside of press releases. Clearly, it's a fraught topic. Whenever people want the university to take a stance, they run into the same problem as divestment campaigns, the problem addressed in the Calvin Report. Think about controversies from the past year, whether it's the university's position on discrimination and racism, slurs at campus events, or allegations of sexual assault. This debate is important. It's alive. It's affecting real people. On the one hand, it's reassuring that the university seems genuinely committed to free expression. Even now, there's a faculty committee drafting a statement on its continued role and importance. Jeffrey Stone, who we spoke to earlier, is the chair of that committee. But on the other hand, the university is more than just an institution of higher learning. It's also an employer, a community, a home. Other values will always have to be considered. We'd like to thank everyone who contributed to this episode, and thank you for listening. To listen to our other episodes, subscribe to our channel on iTunes.